Welcome to Making It Count, a podcast that provides practical financial advice for every stage of life. I'm Christina. And I'm Randy. And we're not financial experts. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) No, we're just like you, aka doing our best to reach financial success and trying not to stumble along the way. And we're making it happen thanks to all the help from our Money Smart friends. That's right. So stay tuned for fun guest interviews, listener-submitted Q&As, and plenty of our own money experiences. The more embarrassing, the better, right? You say embarrassing, I say educationally entertaining. Whether you're working to make the most of your paycheck or ready to up your investment game, we've been there and done that. And we still have more to learn. So together, let's make make it count. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Making It Count. Welcome back, everyone. Christina, I I don't know about you, but I'm actually really excited to dive into today's topic, the job market. You know, I've I've heard that it's it's been booming, and we're going to talk about how all of our listeners can take advantage of it. So excited. And I think booming is actually an understatement because according to the latest Bureau of Labor Statistics report, I sound so fancy. You are fancy. It's the best job seekers market in over 50 years. It's a long time. I know. That's about twice as many job openings as unemployed people. And unemployment is at the lowest point in more than 50 years. But there are still plenty of people who are out of work and have been on the hunt for months or really on the hunt for their next big jump. You can say that. Yeah. But basically what you're saying is that it's the perfect time for us to dive into all things professional growth, right? How did you know that that was exactly what I was trying to say? It's on the script, Christina. Oh, you're not supposed to say that (laughs) behind the scenes stuff. Oh, man. So do you know anyone that's actually on the hunt for a job right now, Christina? I don't know anybody right now who is hunting for a job, but I do know friends that are trying to hire people. And it has been very hard because in other times it's been, it's like feast or famine. And I'm sure our guests will talk about that right now. As an employer, it is famine. Like for a job opening, she has been getting like way less applicants than before. Yeah. Do you know anybody that's looking for a job? Always. You know, I always tell people you got to you got to stay up to date on your LinkedIn profiles. You got to stay up to date on Indeed. Set notifications because you never know when that next opportunity is going to, you know, be right there for you. I always like in in LinkedIn those recommends, like when you ask people to, to leave you recommendations. Yes. I've done that for a couple of my coworkers. I do that at restaurants. Like when I don't know what to eat, I just ask like, what do you recommend? And then (laughs) they know what that recommend. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm hungry. We're food motivated over here. (laughs) We definitely are. And you know, something I believe strongly in is no matter how prepared you feel about the job hunt, it can still be hugely helpful to talk to an expert, which is either a career coach or just someone you trust in life. That's a professional. Agreed. We have an expert with us today to shed some light on developing your career. So our guest today, Natalie Nieves, the recruiter over at Addition Financial Credit Union. She's going to hook us up with some of those insider tips from the hiring side of things. So Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Randy and Christina. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are so excited to have you, Natalie. Welcome to our little pod that could. So, Randy, I'm going to let you go first. (gasps) Wow. I know. All right. So, Natalie, can you go ahead and break down the actual job hunting process for us in today's market? And, you know, are are those things different now than they were pre-COVID? Are cover letters still a thing, for example? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are cover letters a thing? (laughs) What even is a cover letter? I don't know. I have no idea either. 
That's a great question. It's a controversial one. Really? (laughs) Spill the tea. Yes. I would say as long as you're making a cover letter intentional and very direct to the role that you are applying for, it can still be purposeful. Now, there are some people that create one blanket cover letter. They apply to 10, 20, 13 25 different jobs and they use the same cover letter and if it's just a copy and paste it loses its value Mm. so with that i don't think a lot of employers look into that if it just seems copy Mm. and paste Ooh, hot take hot take so natalie are you are you reading cover letters can you how can you tell when cover letters are meaningful versus when they appear more cookie cutter what's that what's the vibe It's very clear when someone has read the job description and tailored that cover letter to it, and I can see the intention behind Mm. it. A lot of times it can be very formative, basic, and it says, I'm looking for growth. Mm. But there's no- At your organization. At your organization. (laughs) Uh -uh. Copy and paste (laughs) what that is. Fill in in thing here, yeah. Have chat GPT write it for you. Oh, geez. (laughs) And I have seen the wrong organization listed sometimes, so that would be- be a teller. That one probably goes into the no pile, right? You know what? We can give grace, though. We can give some grace, but make sure you're editing those cover letters yes. to make sure it's intentional and purposeful so it can really have that impact to the hiring manager. So what are the typical steps that you need to take when you're going into that job market? Yeah, so something, so you brought up cover letters. You did also ask um, if things were different from how they were pre-COVID. And I would say so for many reasons. As you had just said, It's booming. Unfortunately, there are a lot of roles that are open. Since COVID, there are some people who just decided to leave the job market. There are some people who have became permanently disabled from the pandemic as well, who are now unable to work. So the landscape has changed. And along with that, what people are looking for is changing too. So something I did want to mention is when you're starting this job hunting process, I think it's very important to be intentional with what route you want to take. So there are so many different opportunities to find for yourself. Where do you want to grow? What type of organization you would like to grow in? And that I would say is a very, a very meaningful first step. Hmm. So it sounds like if you take those steps, it could be a much more efficient way to job hunt. But what happens like once the job hunt starts, how long right now are is it taking for people to get hired? And is the virtual, now being in a virtual world and having virtual interviews more accessible, does that make the process faster? I would say it definitely makes it more convenient for job seekers. We don't necessarily have to get up and go. I know some individuals are interviewing candidates in other states, and that makes it entirely more personable to video chat someone rather than mm. a phone call as well. So with that, the average process does take about five months, and sometimes things happen. There might be other recruiters who they have so many different things going on. Something that I would say is if you have interviewed, if you haven't heard back from someone, you are most definitely able to respectfully send an email, but also don't inundate those hiring managers Mm. or the recruiter constantly with updates. If someone says they'll give you an update on Friday, pay that respect and be like, okay, let me wait till Friday before I send three emails. Um, (laughs) Or maybe (laughs) don't send three emails. It sounds like the rules of dating a little bit like it is a little bit like that yeah it's like okay you gotta wait three days and then i can text her and don't text too much and you know email and a call with your voicemail you're courting um a company company yeah 
Yep, it's absolutely. A very good point. So I think it's very important. Recruiters love a tap. Hiring managers love a tap to remind them because you know things are crazy in every industry. People are short-staffed. That's why they're looking for an open job. But also, don't over-inundate those individuals as well. Good point. You know, I, I think the most stressful thing about job hunting is is the interview. Based on what you're saying, I was thinking back to like horror stories of interviews where things went wrong. Do you have any tips for acing that part? Yeah, absolutely. So something, it goes along with the resume as well as the interview. Even if you're jumping industries, if you're doing a total 360, make your skills applicable to the job that you're applying to Mm. now. And it sounds easier said than done, but I do find a lot of job seekers are, are kind of struggling with that concept and they don't know how to speak to how their experience is relevant to maybe a different role mm. in a different industry. So it, there is a lot of value in really reading that job description. And even if you don't have maybe exactly the most applicable experience, you can make things transferable. Interesting. And, and what about in terms of preparation? What are what should people be doing for virtual or Zoom right. interviews? Is it any different than phone interviews or in person? It is a little different. I don't think anyone should get a little too comfortable with the fact that it's a video call. Mm. Um, a lot of hiring managers look at lighting. They mm. say that if someone didn't take the time to make sure they had good lighting, not for me. So still make sure that you're presentable. You're taking those steps to be in a quiet environment if you're able to. That makes an impact as well. And then on top of that, you want to make sure you come prepared with some situational answers. So mm. there is something called a STAR method of interviewing and interviewing. And what that is, is a method based on answering questions in a structured way so that you're talking about the situation, the task, the action, and the result of the action that you took. I got to write this down. Go for it. Amazing. (laughs) That's a great, so that kind of goes back to even if you're changing industries Mm -hmm. or you're changing job roles, you can make those tasks relevant to the job that you're interviewing for with the STAR method. Right. Goes back to courting. Got a quarter properly. <laughs> Goes back to courting. <laughs> and even if even if something started as a negative experience, we always are asked, tell me about a time you had a, a mad customer, someone who was Ugh. upset. And we always get a little shook up by the question, or tell me about a time you had to deal with a coworker that was difficult to work with. And we never know how to answer that. Mm-hmm. But if you structure your answers to the STAR method and show what the result and the positive of that situation was, that's really meaningful. And it helps you be prepared so that you're not caught off guard by the, by the questions we're typically always asked. I love that. I had a friend who would go to job interviews and when they would ask like the typical, what is one of your weaknesses? He would say, I work too hard. Boo. <laughs> it's like, come on. Such a Michael Scott answer. No, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay to be real in your interviews too. Hiring managers know when you're giving the response that you want to give. I work so hard. I never stop. You do, buddy. Okay. And it's okay. <laughs> it's well, okay. You're not working now. You're at this interview. <laughs> I know. Gotcha. Exactly. So I, my favorite part of a job interview is the interview. Like Mm -hmm. I love the interview part. I get excited about the interview part. On the way to the place I'll be interviewing at, I'm actually, the the music's off Mm -hmm. and I'm running through the questions that I feel like I'm going to get asked and I answer them in my head because then I feel more prepared and I get less nervous. So yeah, I jones about the interview. That's like my favorite part. My most stressful part is 
if I nail the interview, the when you nail the I, interview. Oh, I love, love that. that. Yeah, snaps for Christina. When I nail the interview is the negotiation part afterwards mm. because I at least know that you never want to take the first number. I know that much, but having that because you want the job and they want you, but you don't know how far you can push that. So, do you have any tips for negotiating a salary? Absolutely. And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record. It does come back to preparation and research. So when you go into a job interview, even if it's in a different industry, like we have just talked about, if you're switching roles, it takes a lot of research. And one key tip is if someone asks you, you know, about your expectations for salary, rather than saying, I am seeking maybe 65000 a key is to say, I am interviewing for roles that are between 70 and 75. Yeah. So that way that employer knows, okay, she did her research. She knows what she's worth. He or she is worth. And they already have other opportunities within a different range. So that's one thing. You always do want to make sure your range is realistic. So that does take that research that you can go ahead and and look at different websites um, based on your level of experience as well. Because coming in with an inflated number. So like between one and two million, like that would be. I've seen zero to a million. Zero to a million? It has happened. You also work too hard, don't you, Randy? Yes. 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 That's your weakness. You caught me. You caught me. Oh, darn. Never stops. (laughs) But when you see a big range like that, it shows the person it might show the person who is looking to interview you that you really don't know what the market is offering. So just doing that research, knowing your worth and having a more concise number is really what's key in that negotiation. That's a good point. When you're negotiating as well, Christina, we do see that some people say, you know, well, thank you so much for the offer, but I'm looking to buy a house and I just had my first child. And, you know, while that is totally respectable you never want to bring your personal reasons into that salary negotiation Mm. as well i did not know that i didn't know that either so why don't you want to do that the hiring manager is going to say well aren't we all (laughs) we all have different life circumstances but what's really going to sell a hiring manager is if you say my skills my experience it brings this number. I've done market research and I'm really looking for this figure. That is really what's going to motivate a hiring manager to offer more rather than maybe some personal reasons. Interesting. Yeah. It's about what value you're adding to their role and their organization. Makes sense. So let's say you negotiate like a pro, you land the job with your preferred compensation, a million dollars for me. (laughs) Uh, So where do you go from there? Like, What are some ways to set yourself up for some long-term growth? I love professional development, so that's definitely a question that I love to hear. And something that I want to preface that with is that, and this is going to help during that searching phase as well, is even the CEO of LinkedIn said that degrees do not matter as much as skills. And even though you are hiring for a specific role, even if you're not looking for another role, once you're there, once you negotiated, you're happy your job may change. Like you had said, Christina, there's chat, GT, GPT. There's all these different technologies that are going to change the role that you have. So being adaptable and taking that initiative for your own development is really key. So I always encourage people to get a mentor if they're able to in their industry, someone in a role that they would like to see. 
And also read. I know that sounds so simple, but always reading what's going on in your industry. Mm. That's what's going to help you be strategic. And you're going to have those fresh ideas, fresh concepts to your role in your organization. And then also, like I said, it's a lot of that self-initiation as well. So you can get a mentor, you're reading, but just always staying current and knowing that, you know, upskilling is huge. Always try to remain adaptable upskill yourself and remain competitive in the market. So interesting. I've never heard that phrase before, upskill. No, what does that mean? Like, what would you attribute to that? So I would say upskill is, I'll use myself as an example. I'm in human resources as a recruiter. General skills that come with the recruiter is public speaking. But upskilling could be, let's say my department has a need for someone who is good with analytics of the organization. Maybe it's me taking a course on LinkedIn about data analytics. Maybe it's about me learning about financials. Upskilling is making sure that whatever your current skill set is, you're always adding to that. Hmm. So you remain competitive, you remain valuable. And even if technology changes, even if your role changes, your organization pivots, you always have something to fall back on and you're always growing. Love that. Yeah. I always think, and I think this is important. And Natalie, I'd love to hear your take on it. When you're interviewing for a position, it needs to be mutually beneficial, right? Like I have to want to come to work for you. I need to fit in with you as much as you need to fit in with me. Mm. So how do you have those discussions to make sure that the the interviewee mm-hmm. understands that concept? Yeah, I think it's also a part of opening up that conversation, I think we shy away from questions because a lot of people think that makes you sound maybe a little novice, but questions are great. They open up conversation. And as someone who's interviewing for new roles, some questions that you can ask is, why is this position currently open? Mm. Maybe it's a great answer to hear would be someone actually just got promoted and this is their role. So that's one way that you can make sure it's a great fit. And then also maybe do research on the organization, see if their values align with yours as well, because you want to feel passionate about where you work as well, not only what your job is. And then along with that, just touring the facility, talking to other people in the role. Maybe you connect with individuals who be your coworkers on LinkedIn prior to that, and you build those relationships. That's a good idea. That is a good idea. Get to know people before you get there. I love that. Absolutely. So you talked about leadership roles. Like one reason somebody would be looking for a job could be internal or it would be their time to move on, but to move into a leadership role. What are you trying to tell us, Christina? (laughs) Are you moving on? (laughs) You are not taking my spot in the podcast. Darn. (laughs) Um, What are some tips for people who are just stepping into a new role or they're moving from like a specialist coordinator role to go up to the next step? How do you prove that you're ready for that next step in the interview? Something about proving yourself as a leader, and there's two different ways, right? You can do so internally, or you can be looking elsewhere, and maybe you're moving on to a managerial role in another organization. And I think that is a part of being strategic when you're always reading and you're current. But a big part of that is just that relationship building. Being a leader has changed as well. People have different expectations from their managers than they did maybe 10, 15 years ago. And 
they're really looking for people that care about them as people, as an individual. So you want to make sure that you're being compassionate. You're also vulnerable a little. I think it it takes some vulnerability to be a great leader and to to lead the charge of your team. Show how you'll motivate people and you know how to motivate people and tailor different circumstances to them. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's a great look at the entire career growth process, I would say, from job hunting all the way to a promotion. So, Natalie, thank you. Thank you so much. I want to begin the next section, our rapid fire round of questions. One of my favorite segments, the making account essentials. Christina, you ready? I'm ready. Natalie, are you ready? I'm as ever. I'll help you. We need to add like a like a like a lightning <laughs> yeah, sound. That would be like a good idea. Awesome... Watch lightning sound now. <laughs> there it is. Right. A little stressful. <laughs> All right, Natalie. Rapid fire question. Okay. How long should I stay at my current role before I start looking? A minimum, I would say, of two years. Of, Why is that? Yeah. Of course, barring if you're in a toxic environment, always do what's best for you in that case. But a minimum of two years to show that you actually did gain knowledge from your current role, mm. that you actually learned and were able to grasp the role before moving on. So it's something that it shows that you necessarily won't be job hopping as well. There is some grace since the pandemic, since individuals were misplaced, but I would definitely say a minimum of two years. And if you're able to show progressive growth on your resume as well, that's very important as well. That makes sense. And Natalie, how do you decide between quitting a job or sticking it out? Mm, such a personal question. Oof. So I think that's something that you really have to get real with yourself on what do you want out of a job what do you want out of a career, out of a leader? I think you stick it out when you have that support from your leadership, when you come in and you're happy about who you're going to be working with. Um, but it's so personal and it's a different answer for everyone. So it's, it's a little hard to blanket statement that one. Yeah, that's fair. What about networking or virtual networking? Is it worth it? I think so. Virtually networking, networking in general it's a way to put a face to the name. And I have seen, even though, let's say someone has approached me and I don't have a role for them with my organization, their their face, their interaction with me stays on top of mind. And if I meet someone who's looking for something, I might just make that warm connection. So even if it doesn't benefit me, it's just always good to put yourself out there. It's a good point because yeah. you never know when, oh, I remember this person. They would be good for that over there. Absolutely. Yeah. Connect the dots. Mm -hmm. So do you have a favorite uh, hiring success story from recruiting? Ooh, I love this question. <laughs> Let's well, hear it. I love... I would say one of my favorite parts is just seeing the growth of everyone who comes on board. I'm always watching them as they're going through the organization. They get their next promotion. I'm their little cheer. They're like, yay. But I would say a very cool success story was actually it started from someone getting turned down for a role in our organization. And after processing it with the team, the team had given him some great feedback and saying, you know, I think this role isn't what you think it is. And he did some reflection and then he received another promotion elsewhere in the organization. And in hindsight, he was like, you know, you guys were right. Like that actually wasn't mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. So it was a no. And that's always hard. I've received a few no's as well before mm -hmm. going into my career. It is difficult, but it's about how you pick yourself up and make it a learning experience for yourself. I love that. You guys are like the moms and dads of, I know. of HR. I love it. 
come oh, grow yeah. with us. <laughs> you go to the soccer match and you're there yes. with the pom-poms. <laughs> That's Yay. 100% me. I love it. Well, thank you so much for guiding us through all things job hunting and career growth today, Natalie. Yeah, thanks. So even in a good job market, uh, hunting for your next role can be intimidating. Uh, I'm sure our listeners who are in that boat are feeling more prepared than ever to find their dream job. Yes, and we would love to have you back in the future. But in the meantime, can you let our listeners know how to find you, how to find jobs at Addition Financial Credit Union? Good idea. Absolutely. You can go to additionfi.com backslash careers. You'll find all of our opportunities there, and it's a great place to get started on your next career. Yeah, thank you again, Natalie. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Randy, it's time for our favorite segment we call What What Did Did We We Learn Today? Today? So I'll go first. There's so much we covered, but for me, the most interesting part was, you know, how personal Natalie is with with the recruiting process and how Mm -hmm. you really have to make sure that the job you're going for matches your skills. And even though you don't have the right skill set in your perspective, there's still a way for you to match the role to what you know for yourself to make you look better for the job interview. I, I thought yeah. I picked up on that. It, it was such a like Natalie builds relationships with with the people that are applying. So learning about that and and really being your true self, because if, if it isn't for you, then it wasn't meant for you. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to find the best place somewhere else. So I love that, that you have to be vulnerable. I thought a great tip, which is my weak point, is um, the salary negotiations, is that provide a range. Don't just provide a number at first. Zero to a million, right? Zero to a million is not a good (laughs) idea. (laughs) But like after, you know, doing your research, knowing the market value of the city that you're currently in, like if you're moving cities, you have to take that into consideration and giving a range. I thought that was such a great tip that I would not have thought of. Got to be realistic. Yep. Now it's time for this episode's resource to help listeners make it count. Christina, what do you got? All right. This is a good one. I mean, they're always great, but this one's really good too. Today's resource is actually a previous episode. How to start your career with the best foot forward. If you're on the hunt for your first job or switching industries to embark on a new journey, this episode is for you. You'll learn the best practices of starting a new career and learn how to financially prepare for the transition. Perfect. As always, you can grab that checklist at the link in our show notes, courtesy of our producers, Lauren and Nicole. Thank you guys for listening and for joining us today. And we'll see you next time on Making Making It Count. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. Thanks so much for joining us today. You can find our show notes in this episode's description. Be sure to subscribe or follow to stay up to date on our latest episodes. And don't forget to rate or review us on your favorite podcast app. And do you have your own burning financial questions? Send them our way at podcast at editionfi.com and we'll feature them on a show. Miss us already? Don't worry. We'll be back soon with another episode of Making Making It Count. Count.